I'd like this morning to talk about something that relates to this special time of year that we are in. We are in a time when we begin to turn our thoughts towards God in a particular way. Because Rosh Hashanah, Feast of Trumpets, is coming. And because we are commanded to take a day where all Israel goes before the Lord and seeks atonement, a Yom Kippurim. And we are looking forward to that day when we we turn to God. And we are looking forward to Sukkot when we celebrate for ten days or eight days what uh, God has done. And as someone pointed out recently, it's wonderful. God gives us one day for mourning on Yom Kippur. And then he gives us over a week to rejoice in him living with us. Well, here we are. And we are in that month when we begin to prepare our hearts. And we begin to uh, get ourselves ready for that day when on Yom Kippur we really do um, take account of our humanity. And the fact that all of us have sinned, all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And so, we call that a day of Teshuvah. We say the Slichot, um, we say other prayers, the Ashamnu, that recount where we are at, and we also recount the forgiveness that God has extended to us, the Kippur, the atonement, that God has given us. In the Tanakh, it was simply through sacrifice, but in our day, through Messiah Yeshua, our Goel, our sacrifice for us, whereby we can be fully atoned for. I want to turn to uh, Acts chapter 2, because this is a chapter that is central to the whole topic of Teshuvah, repentance. And we're going to look at Teshuvah as it is preached in Matityahu and as it is preached in the book of Acts by Kepha, the Apostle Peter. Matityahu is a preface to Acts chapter 2. There is a theme in Matityahu of repentance right from the very beginning. In chapter 3 and verse 2, we see Yeshua coming to the people of Galilee, saying, repent. Or rather, we see John coming to the people of Galilee, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In chapter 3 or 4 and verse 17, we see Yeshua coming to the same people with the same message, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repentance is a topic that Jewish people knew well. It is a topic of the prophets who call to Israel to make teshuvah and to turn to God. And now in the last days, as Yohanan Yohanan comes and as Yeshua comes and preaches, they are raising the refrain once again to make Teshuvah, to turn back to God. 
in Matityahu chapter 24 and verse 17. Twenty-four and verse fourteen. Yeshua predicts that the good news of the kingdom will be preached as in all the world as a witness to the nations, and then the end will come. The good news is going to come forth. The world is going to be committed to lawlessness. We see that in our world today, country by country. You can go around the world and you can see lawlessness at work. But there is coming a day when the good news will be preached around the world and when the opportunity for repentance will be offered to all, but then the end will come. This is the expectation that the disciples had. They were looking forward to a day when the kingdoms would hear the good news of Messiah. And we talked a couple weeks ago about how Yeshua commanded his disciples to go forth to all the nations to make disciples of him. And the disciples were told simply to wait. And sometimes that's a really frustrating thing to happen. When you are given marching orders, when you are given a commission, when you have a passion to do something, and you're told just to wait. And all you can do is wait. And so the Talmudim are waiting in Jerusalem. The disciples are together. And the day of Shavuot arrives. Fortunately, they didn't have to wait that long. Remember, Yeshua rose from the dead on the, 40, on, on the day of the Feast of fir, First Fruits. Forty days after that, he ascended to be with the Father. And on the 50th day after that is the day of Shavuot, 50 days after the Feast of First Fruits. And the Talmudim are together in Acts chapter 2. And they are in. One place, all with one accord. And there they are, no doubt, doing what a Jewish person would do on Shavuot, which is to pray, which is to worship the Lord, and to remember his bountiful goodness to them. No doubt they went to the temple and prayed there as well. And on that day, however, their waiting was over. Just as for us sometimes, you wait And suddenly, it is over. You know that God is working in your life. And sometimes we can wait for days, months, and sometimes many years, and sometimes a lifetime. And we are simply waiting on God. But God had a plan that could not be delayed. His son had risen from the dead, and the world needed to know. And so as a result, Peter was given the opportunity to stand up and to preach the good news of the kingdom. This is something he had been prepared for. Yeshua had called him while uh, he was a fisherman. Yeshua had trained him for years. He had followed Yeshua. He had learned from him, not only from his words, but from everything that he did. And Yeshua had sent him to do miracles, and he had done them very similar to the miracles that Yeshua himself was doing. And he and the other Talmudim had 
prayed for the sick, and they had cast out demons. And now they had a message. They were prepared because now they had seen the risen Lord. They had seen Messiah Yeshua. They were prepared, they were primed, and they were ready to bring this good news to the world. And the people in Jerusalem wanted to know. And this is the request they make of the Talmudim. They said to Kepha and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? That's an invitation to preach. <laughs> Yeshua has explained to them that they have a problem. And this is one of the important things we need to know before we come to God to make Teshuvah. We need to know that we have a problem. The problem is shown, first of all, in, in whom they have rejected. Starting in verse 22, Kepha begins his sermon. Men of Israel, Anshei, Yisrael, in the Hebrew translation from the Greek. Anashim is the plural of men. Enosh is a man, Anashim is men, and Anshe is the men of something. In this case, the men of Israel. Just as, like for the Kehilah, we have our Kehilah, which means congregation or fellowship. And when we say, the Kehilah of something, Kehilat Zion, we say Kehilat. That is the congregation of Zion. Anshei Yisrael, Kepha begins his sermon. Yeshua of Nazareth, the man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs. That is where Kepha begins. And that is really where our story begins today. When we are seeking to reach our world for Messiah, we are not going to be able to reach him by being the most Jewish synagogue in Vancouver. We're not going to be able to reach him by being the most polished and professional people in the city, the most wealthy or the most educated we are going to be able to reach people because we are lifting up the name of Yeshua. He is the one that matters. He is the one that we care about and that they need to care about. A simple message. Kepha is not able to stand before these men. In Jerusalem, men from under every nation in heaven, as the chapter has already said, and say, I am more educated than you. I am more affluent than you. I am more cultured than you. On all three points, Kepha fails. He's a fisherman. He's from Nazareth or from Galilee. He is not a man of great education. But he is able to say, Yeshua has come. Yeshua of Nazareth. This is what it is all about. It's the same message we have today. A transforming message. An exciting message that doesn't depend on us. 
doesn't depend on our goodness or our, our qualities as people. It depends entirely on him. And so Kepha begins to preach Teshuvah. He has been waiting for this moment. He begins with Yeshua's messianic credentials. He says, first of all, he is of Nazareth. Secondly, in verse 22, he is a man attested by God. In your English translations, quite often, man will be capitalized. But there's no capitalization when you are speaking verbally, when you are just um, explaining And he is saying, here he is. Yeshua is a man. Something we need to remember. Son of God and son of man. A man attested by God to you by miracles. And Yeshua did the miracles. He did heal the sick. People flocked to him. By wonders, we can think of the wonders that Messiah Yeshua did as he cast out, for example, demons from the man called Legion, and the demons went into the pigs, and then the pigs were destroyed. Those were wonders that caused people to be amazed. There were signs that he did, raising the dead, doing miracles that the rabbis had expected no one could ever do until the day that Messiah should arrive. He was attested by miracles, wonders, and signs. Signs that God did through him in your midst. And Kepha is speaking to these religious Jewish people who have traveled a great distance to be in Yerushalayim for Pesach and are staying on for Shavuot. They are people who are devout, who've no doubt spent their seven weeks in Yerushalayim studying in the yeshivas, going to the temple, worshiping the Lord, and fellowshipping together with other followers of, of God within Israel. There are people who want to know the truth, not necessarily Jerusalemites themselves. And these wonders have been done in their midst. And Kepha is turning their attention to the one who has done all these, win- these wonders. A faithful audience has a faithful response. And I believe this is the response that you will still find in people's hearts today. You see, when we bring the good news of Messiah, there is a sense in which we bring it to a large outside world. There are many people out there who will hear the word of Messiah, who will hear the word of truth. And for many of them, they will not take any action. For many of them, the seed will fall on dry ground. But there will be some whose hearts are prepared. Those who really do already have receptive hearts, lives in whom God has been working. And as we spread, as it were, the seed, around our city, in our families, homes, workplaces, there are those every so often where the seed catches root. And here there are those in Jerusalem, people who really do want to serve God. They're a bit like the Apostle Paul. They're committed, passionate. 
members of the people of Israel, committed to God. And so their response in verse 37 to, the, to Peter and the rest of the apostles, the invitation to him to preach is, men and brethren, what shall we do? They were cut to the heart. It's not because Peter was so articulate, but it's because God was at work in their hearts. Just as for us when we share Messiah, it really doesn't matter how articulate we are. It doesn't really matter how good of a job we do. What matters is simply that we stepped out in faith because God takes that, and in the right heart, it takes root. Cut to the heart. It really meant something to them. Not just willing but to hear the gospel, but actually cut to the heart when they heard of what Messiah had done for them and when they heard of what they, as part of Israel, had done to him. They had been encouraged, not by, um, not, not by cunning fables, as the Apostle Paul would say later, but they had been encouraged from the very Psalms that they knew so well, where the psalmist speaks of our hope, an eternal hope, to live in the presence of God. They had been encouraged to understand something of the nature of Messiah in the reference to Psalm 110. The Lord said to my Lord in Acts chapter 2 and verse 34, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. They had been encouraged to think on the person of Messiah And they had realized, yes, something was special about him. No doubt they had heard at least rumors that he had risen from the dead. If we look in the end of the book of Luke, Yeshua is talking to two people on the road to Emmaus, and they turn to him and they say, haven't you not heard? Haven't you heard what's happened in Jerusalem? Everybody knows. So this crowd who were before Peter, Kepha, in Jerusalem, they had heard at least the rumors of what had happened to Yeshua. They had no doubt heard the rumors that he had risen from the dead and, and the counter-argument from the priests that actually the disciples had stolen the body. And now they had seen another sign, the Spirit speaking through these Galileans, people who normally were considered the uneducated, the just regular folk. They had heard words of wisdom in their own languages. And so Kepha tells them to do something. And it is that message that we have today. It is, make teshuvah. Make teshuvah and let every one of you be immersed in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach for the remission of sins. Making Teshuvah for Jewish people is something like maybe making Teshuvah for those who've grown up in a home that is already dedicated to God. 
and to his son, Jesus. Some people among us, like myself, have grown up in such a home. When I was seven years old, I had the opportunity to make Teshuvah, and I took it when I felt challenged in my heart. It's a young age. Um, I had been a sinner before, and my mother certainly let me know afterwards that I was still a sinner. I did not stop getting spankings at the age of seven years of age. Um, I, I continued to be a sinner, but I had made Teshuvah. I had determined that my life would be heading in a certain direction. That is what God did in my life in that day. That's a lot like the kind of Teshuvah, though, that uh, Kepha is requiring of these people. They are already people who know about God. What they need is not to recognize a different God and to turn to a different God. This is not the message of Teshuvah for Israel. The message of Teshuvah for Israel is turn to God and recognize his son, his only son, who has come and who has um, become our redeemer, the Goel of Israel, so that we can have a way to him. Come and know Messiah, who is the way to the Father. As Yeshua himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. For some people in the world, making Teshuvah means turning away from a lifestyle where their backs have been firmly turned against God, towards the false gods of either false religions or of this world. And for many people, that is the turn. It is that 180-degree turn. But no matter how many degrees one has to turn, one has to get on what Yeshua called that narrow path. There is a narrow path. And for the Jewish person who knows who God is, there is nevertheless the need to recognize his son, Messiah Yeshua, and say, I want to get on that narrow path towards the presence of God. And so this is why Kepha speaks about King David, who speaks about the Lord in verse 25, Acts 2.25, who is always before my face. He is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. This is the one that we need to turn to so that we might please God and so that we might walk with him. The implications of the gospel probably weren't entirely clear to the people in Jerusalem in that day. You see, they were hoping for a coming kingdom where Messiah would rule Israel and Israel would rule the world under him. Where the world would be transformed from a place of injustice and unrighteousness, as it clearly was under the Roman Empire, to a place where all nations would worship the one true God. That's what Israel was looking for and what they were hoping for. But on this day... They were simply to put their faith in Messiah, Yeshua. God was going to bring his kingdom. 
That kind of kingdom, that earthly kingdom, which will come to this world one day, was not to be 2,000 years ago. But for them, the message was to make teshuvah and to be immersed in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach for the remission of sins. And there is a promise. You shall receive the Ruach HaKodesh. You shall receive the Holy Spirit. For these people, there is no question of abandoning Torah. This is not part of the equation here. This is not part of the question. These are people who've lived according to God's Torah all their life, and they intend to do so. It is not turning away from their obligation as Jews to live as Jews and to be part of that Or HaOlam that Israel is called to be. But at the same time, it is a call to recognize Messiah Yeshua, His Lordship. They have a great opportunity to become Baalei Teshuvah. In Jewish tradition, we call someone who turns back to God from not being observant of Judaism. And many Jewish people fall into this category. We call a person who turns back to God and and the religious Jewish community, the Orthodox community, um, takes that as turning towards God according to the Torah and Halakha, the way they understand and interpret it. But nevertheless, to do so is called becoming a Baal Teshuvah. You have become someone different in essence. Everything about your life has changed from your waking up to your going to sleep, from the way you eat your meals to the way you treat your wife and children and deal with them. Life is changed. And there's a sense in which many Jewish people have been or what we call from from birth, religious from birth. And there are many people who have been going through the motions of this lifestyle since they were born. They've been raised in it. They, they know the prayers inside out. They can rattle through the morning prayers in under 30 minutes. Uh, they've got everything down pat. They know how to live the religious life. But there's something missing in that they still need to turn to God in the heart in many cases. There are many people who go to synagogue, rattle off all the Hebrew prayers. They don't even really know what they mean. Their heart really is not in it. For them, it is simply a religion. And what we appeal for, and and to be honest, many, many Jewish leaders also appeal for this, is is love for God from the heart. Authenticity. And here Rav Shaul is called, or Rav, or or Kepha rather, I've been preaching on Rav Shaul for quite a while. Kepha is preaching, and he is saying, make Teshuvah. These are the religious. They are those whom the rest of the Jewish world looks to as those who are their leaders and examples. They're the ones who are so committed. They would make this major 
commitment and travel to Jerusalem for Pesach to fulfill God's commandment to Israel. They may be what we would call today the from from birth, but they too need Messiah, Yeshua. And so Kepha tells them to do this. And he says to them in verse 39, For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. There is a great promise to Israel, not only to those who would repent, but to their families and to the nations of the world. Yeshua came to call sinners to repentance. But here are those who are very religious, and they need to repent too. And maybe this is where we might fit in, because some of us here, we have lived the life of a believer. We have grown up knowing and reading the Word of God. We've heard many sermons throughout our lives. And we have, like these people, committed long ago our lives to following God and Jesus, Yeshua, the Messiah. And that's determined the course of our lives, and we are walking in that. But sometimes we don't see the need as these people didn't until they were confronted with the person of Yeshua the Nazarene to turn our lives to him afresh and anew. Because while our lives have always and might have been or for a long time committed to God and committed to Messiah Yeshua, the enemy can start to divert us a little bit from the calling by which we've been called. And little diversions come in. We might find ourselves more committed to watching uh, a certain television show than we are to spending time with God that day. We might find it more important to catch up on the latest. We, we might find that our job begins to take up more and more of our time and of our passions, and it begins to take our time and our passions away from those who are closest to us and from God himself. We might find that we are seeking the approval of the world and we are beginning to soften our message so that we can seem acceptable to our sometimes very liberal colleagues and friends who, who want us to, to speak in terminology that is absolutely politically correct and, um, and yet doesn't necessarily reflect the righteousness of God we can find ourselves being diverted a little bit at a time from the way in which we have committed ourselves to go and the way in which God has called us. And over time, we can find ourselves on quite a different path than the one that we have committed ourselves to, and we haven't even realized it. How far maybe we have strayed from where God wants us to be. And as we come towards the High Holy Days, and Rosh Hashanah comes uh, after September this year, um, as we approach this, this time, and as we approach Yom Kippur, 
we have that great opportunity. Yes, as those who are committed to God already. Yes, as those who acknowledge the Messiahship of Yeshua. We have that opportunity of staking stock and saying, where am I now? Where am I on this trip that God has called me to and on this path? And how can I make sure that I am still on that narrow path? Some people call this recommitment. You can call it what you will. But Yom Kippur is that wonderful opportunity that God gave to the children of Israel and that in a sense is applicable to all of humanity where we can take a day to fast and afflict our souls and commit our lives once afresh and anew to our God and to his son, Messiah, Yeshua. In John chapter 12 and verse 32, maybe we could turn to Yohanan chapter 12 and verse 32. Yeshua said, I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. This he said, signifying by what death he would die. Yeshua is in the business of drawing people to himself. It's not our programs. Every community of believers could have better programs. That's not what it's about. It's not our buildings. It's not our flashy services. It's not uh, whether we are part of um, emerging movements among the body of Messiah that are seeking to reach people with the good news of Messiah in new and innovative and very controversial sometimes ways. It's not our Alpha or in the Messianic world, Aleph courses. And it's not in our campaigns, our signs, and our t-shirts, and our websites, and everything else that we do. Although all of these things play a role. It is ultimately the person of Messiah Yeshua. The very one that Kepha speaks about in Acts chapter 2. Alan Hirsch in his book, The Forgotten Ways, that I have mentioned before, um, asks, what is it that made the good news of Messiah really take off at certain times in world history? He looked at, in particular, the gospel in the Roman Empire. How amazingly quickly the good news went out to the nations. And how this grassroots movement took root and gradually transformed the Roman Empire Um, eventually, and probably wrongly, becoming the state religion of Rome. But nevertheless, the good news took off. What was it that made that difference? What is it that enabled the good news to not only survive, but actually thrive in China during the Maoist years? What was it that caused the good news to spread across North America with the Methodists in Canada, and Charles Freshman was a Jewish believer in Eastern Canada, was one of these people, um, 
with, with preachers who would travel around the country, bringing the good news to the smallest of communities and planting churches in these places that really didn't have any testimony to the gospel. What was it that made all of these movements so powerful and so influential? And through his reading of history, it was that they focused on the lordship of Messiah Yeshua. They focused on his person and who he is. And that's why we are called a Messianic Jewish congregation. Our focus is on Messiah. And that Messiah is Yeshua. He is the one that we are lifting up. There's a rabbinic story, and this is very uh, kind of amusing in a sense. Martin Buber, the famous philosopher uh, from Europe and then Jerusalem, recorded the story of a Rabbi Shlomo who used to say, if only the Messiah, the son of David, would come. He said, you know, if it would help, at a pinch, I could be the Messiah, son of Joseph, the one who comes ahead of Messiah, son of David, and suffers and dies in order to hasten and bring about his coming. What is there to fear for me? And whom shall I fear, this rabbi said? Should I fear the crooked Cossack, the crooked uh, Russian Cossack um, persecutor of the Jewish people? He was a rabbi who, not knowing who Messiah Yeshua was, who not accepting his messiahship, was so committed and so wished that Messiah would come that he would be willing to lay down his own life. He would be willing to suffer and die, not knowing that Messiah has come and has suffered and died for us. And we can ask ourselves, do we have that kind of passion that we would be willing to suffer so that the good news of Messiah, so that the kingship of Messiah should be known? Would we be willing to see him uh, lifted up even at our own cost, so that he might arise for Israel and for the nations with healing in his wings. Yohanan, when he started all of this, Yohanan Hamatbil, he came dressed like an Essene would be dressed. Dressed and living according to the traditions of this community in Qumran that was very strict and very passionate about all Israel making Teshuvah and all Israel coming under their very strict code of righteousness. And he said, make Teshuvah for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We're not preaching an incredible strictness. We're not preaching the commands of men, which is what the Essenes were essentially commanding. We are bringing the good news of Yeshua HaMashiach. And as we come to this time of Teshuvah, where we can analyze and look at our own souls, we can also lift him up and we can bring glory to him. We have opportunities. We can invite people to our High Holy Day services That will be announced fairly soon. Our seats are free, unlike many synagogues that will charge $100 per event or more or less. Um, Anyone can come. 
and, and spend time in the presence of God. We can invite our Jewish friends. We can invite our Gentile friends. We can reach out to this world. We can invite people to hear our brother Rob Styler on October 29th as he speaks about Matthew from taxman to soul man and uh, gives us a wonderful, entertaining, but very spiritually profitable day, I am sure, when he comes and spends the day with us. We can invite our Jewish friends and colleagues to these events. They're there for us to take advantage of. And we, by our own example, by turning to Messiah Yeshua ourselves, can show what he does in the repentant heart. Avinu Sheva Shamayim, we thank you for Messiah Yeshua, who is our Goel, who is our Kohen, and who is our Melech, who is our Redeemer, our Priest, and our King. We thank you, Lord, that we have him to rejoice in, and that we can make Teshuvah, that we can reaffirm and examine our Teshuvah even today to make sure that we continue to walk on that, in that way that is right, to bring glory to him and join with those thousands who in the book of Acts made Teshuvah that day and acknowledged Messiah Yeshua as their Lord and as their Goel. Father, we pray that you might Um, be glorified in us and that your son truly might be lifted up in our midst as we bring honor to him in our hearts and in our lives. Amen.